Through dangers untold and hardships unnumbered, I have fought my way here to the castle beyond the Goblin City to make this podcast part of the Goblin Broadcast Network at gbncom.com. You have no power over me. Follow the Path, the Bears Grove Podcast. Adult-level discussion of role-playing as a storytelling art at bearsgrove.com. Welcome to the Bears Grove Podcast. This is number 38. The podcast today will be 50 minutes and 5 seconds. On the podcast today, we have an interview with Roan Barton and Ed Healy of the Wear Cabbages Freelance Guild. Roan and Ed have been involved with the production of a book called Blight Elves, The Architects of Despair. The interview is all I've got this episode, but I think it might be interesting to you, especially if you play the True 20 role-playing system. We'll return to our regular format next time around. Thanks so much. Just a side note here. This is an explicit podcast for a reason. The information about the Blight Elves can contain some pretty disturbing stuff. So please don't listen to this podcast on your speakers at work or in front of children. Thanks so much. Greetings, agent. You are assigned the task of infiltrating the independent insurgency. The one called Robert Ball has created a podcast about independent gaming and the game designers that make the games. Your task, if you choose to accept it, will be to listen to this podcast and report back immediately on this new force. That is all. Good luck. The Independent Insurgency at independentinsurgency.com. The song Now That You're Gone by the Grave Robbers at the Podsafe Music Network. Music.podshow.com. I'd like to welcome Where Cabbages Ed Healy and Roan Barton to the virtual studio. They've recently worked on a product for uh, RDP, Reality Deviant Publications. And it's called um, Blight Elves, The Architects of Despair. Gentlemen, welcome. Sam, how you doing? Great. How you doing, Sam? Nice to talk to you in person, finally. Absolutely, absolutely. I've, I've met uh, Ed online through a number of different uh, uh, venues, including the RPG Podcasters List and a couple of other places, uh, Cobalt Quarterly, and, um, and I've never met Rome before in my life. So but it's I've good. been stalking Sam for years online, and he doesn't know that I'm sexy puppy sixty nine. Oh, okay. <laughs> hey, hey, I cornered you. Hey, you owe me. <laughs> you owe me an email. Anyway, um, so and a video. Uh, so how? Don't get him started, please. <laughs> right. On point. Stay on point. So. Ron, you and I share something very, uh, very much in common. We both got our, our start writing for Dragon Magazine. Mm-hmm. I wrote uh, when I was eight, when I was like sixteen, seventeen. I wrote mm-hmm. an article called "Swords with Personality," Ooh, and uh, you remember that? No, I do. Oh, please! I, what did I do? I didn't get Dragon just for wallpaper. You know, I, I actually read it. Yeah, 
my uh, my first piece, which I sold when I was 18, and amazingly, it was the first thing I ever sent out. I said, I'm going to be a writer. And I sent out an article uh, called, Oh, Look, a Harmless Statue, which was 30 Dirty Ways to Disguise and Hide Your Golems. Um, your golems. And uh, I sent it out, and I was ready to get my first 300 rejection letters, and the first thing came back approved. It was just mind-blowing, and I realized, hey, I, I might do this more. Yeah, and that's such a cruel joke for all of us, because ultimately, <laughs> after, <laughs> I know. you know, if you, you get, when you get your first thing submitted and it comes yeah, it back, was- you suddenly realize, wow, I could do this. This is great. And then... The weight of rejection begins to. What are you, what are you saying? You, did, you didn't read my my New York Times bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> well, not yet. Quite. Uh, is that you? Oh, wow. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so he likes but, to use his pen name Rowan Rowan Barton, but his name is actually. Um, well, can we even say Terry Brooks online? We can't. Or, we can wait, say wait. Because you're not actually dead. You just put that out. Well, no. Think about it. In, in Terry in, in Shannara, there's a Prince Roan, isn't there? See, oh. that's how I do you. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. All right. All right, but you can't say Shannara again on the podcast. We do have an explicit rating, but we don't go that far. Shannara anyway. said bleep bleep bleep. bleep. <laughs> I'll bleep it. All right. Um, no stones bleep bleep bleep. <laughs> so, uh I was uh, I was looking at this product and it looks like a very interesting one. Usually when we think about elves, we think about people who are uh, at one with nature and uh, in tune with the cycle of the seasons and uh, having a deep and abiding re- reverence for life. And this is not the blight elves, not so much. They're the photo negative of that nature-loving elf that you're thinking of. They're the absolute uh, reversal of the archetype and rather fascinating and, and truly, truly nasty. Where, where, the, where the drow are sort of bad, they're still very elfy, and they still look good in bikinis. There's, there's absolutely no beauty left inside a blight elf. They are just horrible, and they make great villains. So, Roan, um, I'm wondering if you could give us sort of a, a bird's-eye view of this project, because I know that you were involved with the development of it. Um, and, Ed, your role for the entire project is more along what, what lines? I'm the brand manager. Um, basically, David from RDP approached me and asked if the Wear Cabbages could handle um, some projects for him. Um, mm-hmm. We have a few, few books coming out for Blood Throne actually this year. Uh, the first one is the Blood Elves book. Um, so I'm acting as brand manager for the Blood Throne campaign setting. Mm-hmm. Roan is project manager on this book and a couple other books, and we have a large number of other freelance writers and editors working on the various other books that will be coming out this year. Okay. So, Ron, give me a, like a bird's-eye view of the product for, for people who might be interested in picking this up. Well, the, the author, Hal McLean, based these elves on sort of a Cold War fascist intelligence agency. That's what, he was, that's what he had in the back of his mind, and it's from there that he structured. The Blight Elves are a race that inhabits the world of Samara for the Blood Throne setting. This is an apocalyptic fantasy setting, and the lands of Samara have recently endured a massive world war. A militant race of evil humanoids from another dimension have invaded Samara and took control of a large portion of the world, and that's where the players and the narrator start. 
Um, the, the Blight Elves are an evil faction. They're an offshoot from a once beautiful race of elves known as the Volsparans, but uh, fell into a uh, philosophic heresy within that society and then split off and became their own thing. Uh, truly wicked, perfect villains. They have a, a bunch of different paths that they follow, uh, a couple of archetypical ways in which they uh, conduct their evil crafts. There's uh, entropic channelers, and these are um, Blight Elves who are empowered by the death of the end of the universe and all reality. You've got the Joy Eaters who feel no emotion due to their use of a poison, and they're, they're fascinated with mortal emotion, and they studied ways in which to craft and alter mortal behavior, becoming experts at lies, propaganda, mental domination, even arts and education. And the, the Joy Eaters... Um, which is one of the roles you can take as a blight up. They also train children from other races to re-enter their own societies as sleeper cell agents, known as the semyad, or poison seeds. There's also the, the plague rites, and that's a guild of blight elves who fashion poisons and diseases, uh, all the better for them to serve their evil goddess, Selena Valanas, and uh, spreading woe and suffering through the lands of Samara. Uh, there's the Shapers Guild, and, and a, a player who's a Shapers uh, Guild member can breed mutated abominations. The Shapers Guild seeks to replace all life with their own inventions. They breed creatures to perform exacting tasks within Blade Elf society, from uh, common home chores to defense to construction, and they pit monstrosities against one another in the arena. And one of the most intriguing, I think, uh, character paths are the, the Dark Matrons Guild. The, uh, Absolutely. These dark, yeah, these dark sorceresses follow in the footsteps of their goddess, Selena Valanus, who and the, their goddess lives with them in uh, the Nyrantor, the Palace of Pain. It's a temple formed after tightly winding and then petrifying a copse of tall trees together. Where in an elven society, one expects tree houses, Nyrantor represents... The, the inverse and opposite. It's like a hurricane tore through a, a normal elf uh, settlement. And um, the, the goddess Selena Valanis, uh, before she ascended, she became pregnant. And through the use of plague-right poisons, was able to keep her baby alive within her, but trapped indefinitely. And she drew added mystic powers from this child. And thus began the new guild, the Dark Matrons. Uh, each Dark Matron also remains in a state of perpetual pregnancy, and uh, they gain a template called the Forsaken, which is uh, pretty fascinating. Um, Ed, you, you like Forsaken template? You want to? Uh... You know, the Forsaken is one of the coolest. I mean, hot button, yes, but one of the coolest inventions Hal came up with. As soon as he uh, it came across my screen, I was like, "Wow, this is incredible." These. Uh, these women, if I can call them that, um, they suck the, they use the life force of their unborn babies to, to power their dark rights. And it's, it's horrific and it's evil and it, it's, it makes them different than anything else I've ever seen in a game, honestly. You're talking about sorceresses like with grossly bulging, wriggling bellies, you know, because um, it's as if they have, like, three okay. holes kicking around inside them. It's pretty scary stuff, you know? Yeah, this this sounds very much like, um, you know, a severely, like, a horrific sort of uh, setting, and there's a lot of, uh, I mean, it's very reminiscent to me of, like, 
uh, almost going the same direction as say the Sabbat did for vampire, um, you know, really out there, you know, using flesh, flesh shaping, uh, creating poisons, plagues, um, you know, it, it does sound like uh, these are uh, sort of a custom-made group of people to be villains, and that—that's uh, what I really like about them. That they just absolutely thing. You know, are you? You know, it's it's interesting. You said that thing about the Sabbat. Um, mm-hmm. I I wouldn't necessarily draw a parallel there, um, but when we were talking about how to describe um, Serengeti Forest, which is where the Blight Owls live. I kind of called it a Transylvanian bayou. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I forget what Rowan called it, but uh, I, it's just a, a gothically horrific, putrid, swampy, disgusting well, here, place. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. The Blight Elves, and sorry, to, I know you have a question waiting, Sam. No, sorry, no, that's to good. But um, um, the the Blight Elves have retired to the Sarangak Forest, once a lovely forest like any other temperate forest. Um, they have poisoned and twisted and blighted this land. So um, it's a Cthulhu-esque bad time to try to walk through this place. Taint fun, you know what I'm saying? If you want to run players <laughs> through a horrifying scape, players are unlikely to leave in one piece psychically or physically, emotionally. Run them through the Sarangak Forest. They will love every excruciating minute. Uh, the, the Shaper's Guild has corrupted each and every creature in the forest, such that you know even the little critters might bring a hurt into you. you know? And uh, they, they've in effect, the, the, the Blight Elves have in effect created a, a living hostile moat to surround their holdings. Uh, more of like a cesspool of, of, of corrupt and foul creatures. So to even step into their land, if you get cut in this place, you resist taint. You you you, uh, you take a chance on uh, contracting taint. If you uh, if you eat food that grows in this forest, that's how twisted everything is. Even the trees don't look right. The water isn't right. The soil isn't right. It's all foul, befouled. So it's it's not just the race. They've really crafted their own. Um, they've so crafted their own realm, and it's so hard to get into the realm that when they attack outside their forest, they're able to leave most of their numbers. Um, they're they're able to leave with most of their numbers, and 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 leave most of their holdings fairly unprotected, which makes their potential army look a lot larger. It's very easy to not know how big they are because most people would never consider trying to go through the sound gag to get to them. So I guess what I'm saying is when they attack something outside of their forest, they tend to attack pretty full force. Right, so there's nobody home. Exactly right. There's nobody mm-hmm. home and, and nobody's coming, so you, you leave your door unlocked. Wow. Wow. Well, um, that'd be a, that right there would be a very interesting time uh, to have uh, a player character show up. But um, anyway. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, suddenly, wow, Write that down, Write that down. Good luck. Adventure number one. <laughs> Hey, you know, good luck. You can go ahead and try. I'd love to see that one. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of safeguards in this place. Let me tell you. Uh, uh, well, it sounds like it, uh, especially if they're perfectly willing to leave it undefended. But um, I tell you, uh, this, these guys don't sound like PCs to me. I mean, well, am I wrong? <laughs> well, here's the. Th- you know, that's that's interesting. Um, for for players, if you, you could have a blight elf who's still loyal to the twisted ideals of his people or it could be a renegade who's choosing to go the other way and join the forces of good um you, you could play it either way i uh one thing uh, uh that i recommended to hal was i said you want to have a way that 
uh, player characters can interact with other races with that, without immediately being spotted as a poxy, greasy, rheumatoid, arthritic, nasty-looking uh, elf. You, you want to be able to just look like a beautiful elf. So we uh, created a, uh, a feat of sorts called Blight Suppression, which allows them to appear normal, like a regular elf. Um, mm. However, if they enact any of their blighted abilities, any of their blight touch abilities, which is a terrifying ability to draw forth poisons and diseases by an act of will alone, if they enact any of those powers, their true form is revealed. So what you've got is a race that can appear, uh, with a small amount of study, they can appear to look just like any other elf, which does allow a good guy to walk amongst allies without becoming a pariah going through a certain village and having fingers pointed, but it also allows an elf with bad intentions to seed within any particular party and not have them ever necessarily get a clue what they're dealing with. And that right. leads into uh, a group called the Simyad, which the Blight Elves um, have created. Uh, think of them as poison seeds because that's exactly what their name means. It, it's mm-hmm. um, a group of infiltrators that go into all the other societies. Well, not all, but um, the ones the Blood Elves want to target. And they infiltrate these societies as sleeper cells. They're trained um, to subdue their, their nastiness, if you will, to become one with the societies that they've been taken from. And should the Blight Elves decide that they want to enact some um, Machiavellian scheme there, they activate those uh, those sleeper agents, and the the Semiod, you know, work their their nastiness. But mm-hmm. the Semiod would would be a, one of the player character, excuse me, in true twenty terms, the hero um, roles that um, a good player could could use. Because I mean, if if you're a semi-ide agent and you decide, you know what, I, I, I really kind of like these guys. I want to I wanna be a good guy. That's mm-hmm. a great opportunity for, you know, you for, for role-playing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's almost – that's a perfect example of a, of, of a place where you could be a Blight Elf character um, it, using these rules and not necessarily live within Blight Elf society because – Hal's already created something where you've got Blight Owls out there in the world, not just in Serengak Forest. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's one thing that, w- that it didn't exactly just define, which is that the Blight Elves worship... The, they're the cruelest race on Samara, and there's a lot of evil races, but the, but the Blight Elves really are just the, the definition of cruel. And they worship a goddess who's taken suicide as her own personal portfolio. They don't want to conquer the world. They don't want to wantonly destroy it. They would rather drive every mortal soul to choose death over life. They consider Mm. uh, spreading misery for its own sake their mission. And torture, both physical and psychological, to them is the highest of all art forms. So they really relish what they're doing. This is a great opportunity to role play. When you say, what could, a, what could a, a player do to role play this? Oh, just be as sinister and devious as you can possibly imagine, and you'll be a great blight elf. It, just, it lets, a, it lets a, a hero go that way and ex- explore that side of role play if they do choose to be evil. Right. There's, a, there's that sort of dark mirror concept. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, and it does sound like an interesting uh, angle of having the uh, sleeper cell kind of uh, agent in uh, regular society who's trying to continue to hide um, at the same time, you know, 
follow their religion or whatever. It sounds like it's more of a cultural religion with some ancestor worship thrown in. Um, it is, and yet, and yet they've, they've actually physically altered the, 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 the corruption, the taint of their beliefs and what they've done mm-hmm. since, since they broke with their people, who they also conquered since they broke with them. They physically turned from beautiful elves into just pallorous, sickly, very disturbing looking individuals. So they're, they're right. physically a different race now. Right. Think so Gollum just without the cute face. Think Gollum from Lord of the Rings without the cute face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking about basically fantasy biogenetics, or you know, the, yeah. that kind of thing. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And there is a uh, there is some technology built into the game setting. There is an ascendant uh, technology in the world of Samara, um, and that ascendant technology uh, is buried or otherwise hidden all around the world. And Elder Race once used it, powered by mana shards. And though it's the rarest of the rare thing you'd ever find, these treasures may still be found. Anybody who finds any ascended technology holds a priceless tool with which to forge their destiny and perhaps even turn back the invasion of these extra-dimensional militant uh, invaders. So uh, there, is, there is a little bit of that tech built and, into the fantasy and that, scape. that's part of the Blood Throne. That's, the that's part throne. of the Blood Throne setting, yep. Yeah. Correct, yeah. yes. Okay, well, and it's... Let's be honest, guys, I mean... You know, if I was running this, uh, I'd be having mana shards show up because they're cool. You know, <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> oh, mean, yes, they are. There's so you, as yes. a developer, you have to make statements like, "Well, it's incredibly rare," um, because that <laughs> starts down the road of Monty you know, Hall. Well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 you, you have a responsibility to the gaming public, you know, in general to sort of say, no, 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 this is very rare. Well, otherwise, but, it's not sensational because a hero is so also heroes. Exactly. Heroes are too, yeah. And so you get to a point where you but, – but we all know that many people are going to go right to that. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, when I was doing work with White Wolf and we would have these races that were completely – like there's only like one of them. And then you'd hear people talking about, like, well, I've got, you know, I know about three or four of those guys. Um, <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And that's okay um, because that's the difference between how something is developed and created and how something uh, evolves during play. Right. Uh, and speaking of play, uh, do you all get to play very much? Uh, Ed, go ahead. Ed's running some. I used to. Yeah, I, I used to play two to three times a week until I moved recently. Um, I'm oh, that, currently terrible. looking for. Yeah, I'm currently in the midst of putting together a new group. But um, I used to have one group where we played um, through Paizo's um, Shackled City Adventure Path, and I had a group of newbies, um, new players. By definition, I took people who hadn't played for um, more than six months and the the whole point of that group was to introduce them to role playing and then they would graduate into either running their own groups which is what I encouraged or they would, if they didn't have their own group, they would kind of graduate into my regular group And but I'm not living in that area anymore so I can't do that. Um, well, currently yeah, all of my process. players are new players <laughs> so awesome. uh, yeah, all and my I, players I, are new players I, now 
And lately, I, I've been uh, actually playing as a player in uh, some of Nick Logue's games and uh, Lou Agresta's games, so I've been a bit spoiled. I have some real champion uh, GMs running me through uh, new games. When they say, what do you want to play? I always say, something I haven't played before. <laughs> what what great kind of games are they running you uh, in, Ron? Jeez, um, I don't... <sighs> what aren't they doing? I, there was some Marvel yeah, Super Heroes that had... Yeah. We had Marvel superheroes, but it had nothing to do with Marvel superheroes. Um, yeah, it was just that's awesome. the rule set we used. It was great. Uh, some Shadowrun, some Call of Cthulhu, which believe it or not, I, I never got a chance to play. I had a great experience with it. Uh, a guy named John Stavropoulos, uh, a couple months ago, about a half year, ran me through a, a half year ago ran me through a game called Dogs in the Vineyard, which I really liked. The whole thing played out like a movie script. I went home and I wrote it down because I was like, this had cinematic. A very narrative game had just such a cinematic feel. So I, I love playing. Uh, and then sometimes uh, I'm in a group and somebody says, hey, I've got an idea. I just made up an RPG. Who wants to uh, be in a press conference with the president when a zombie outbreak happens? And they're just writing it right there. So I am in rare <laughs> air. You know, I'm like, me, me. <laughs> wow, that's <laughs> great. Yeah, yeah, I consider myself fortunate. And what about you? What, what do you run when you run, Ed? I have been an OGL junkie for the last three, let's say three, four years. Um, but before that, I was all about the indie scene. Um, I, anything that Clinton Nixon will, will make, I'll run. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with uh, sure, sure. with his work. Um, I started out playing just anything that sells under 10 copies pretty much i mean i'd pick it up you know i, I played uh, i know and I, I all these games have sold more than that now but i would look for the most in you know hardest to find and yeah a i was side enthusiast i was wow. a B, i was i was the b movie gamer um i i would play maelstrom storytelling um when it first came out um I loved. I started the whole thing playing Ron Edwards' sorcerer role-playing game, which awesome. uh, at the time was a text file that you could email Ron and ask him to to email you a copy. Actually, I don't even know if he emailed it or if he sent me a printout. I'm not sure how that started, but um, this was you know I'm talking ten years ago, and right. and we would track down you know Ghost Light, um, the window, uh, all those smaller games that were hard to find back then but thanks to the guys at indie press revolution um you know the creator owned um scene is a lot more visible now so you can uh you can actually get a hold of those games and those guys can find the resources they need to you know to get their stuff out there and i love that i love taking those games and, and just exploring them and seeing what they've got but let's all ask, well, let's also like not forget this little game. I don't want to fail to mention it. D and D. We do sometimes actually play Dungeons and Dragons. I don't yeah, know I've heard of that. I've heard of yeah. that game. It's it's and they're coming out with a new edition of that, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Are so they? It's good, yeah, yeah, I think they are. Yeah. Was that two point two point five? Yeah, something seven like point, that. I think. Uh, well, you know, there's a new Rambo movie, right? So there's got to be a new. D and D movie, uh, D and D book. Right. Yeah, um, get me no, no more D and D movies, please. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I, you know, maybe I heard the last one was pretty good, although I haven't seen it. Um, Which one? The the last. I don't know. Like the third one or the second one? I'm not sure. Anyway, it's, it's the one that actually has like, you know, real adventurers in it instead of, you know, stereotypes. You know. You mean you didn't like the D and D movie with Marlon Wayans and? Uh, <laughs> 
with Skeet Ulrich, whoever the heck was in that. I mean, yeah, oh my I, god. Uh, mm. Hey, dude, look it up. I found <laughs> I found better entertainment elsewhere. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you do, and and Ed, you most recently have run mostly OGL, or you have you been able to get any uh, any indie stuff lately? Um, I've been the only non OGL game I've been running recently is the Princess Kingdom, like I said awesome. by Nixon. Awesome game. Because um, I have two little girls. Oh, that's so um, good. Yeah, so. You know, that pings right um, into me because I. I'm yeah, I know, a dragon skin. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, um, well, it's interesting to me because, you know, um, with with a new edition that's coming out um, of D&D, there's, there's a, sort of an insular effect, I would think, that True 20 has. Um, in the sense that you know, there's not going to be. I mean, the the truth twenty material that exists is not going away. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and so it definitely won't go away. If you, you know, pick up this book, you'll be able to use it for True Twenty, OGL Fourth Edition. These guys are are tailor made. It's just baddies. great. They, I really yeah. think that they're just great villainous faction that you can drop the content into any game system. Uh, I'm going to do that. You know, I don't play as much 220 as uh, Ed has, and I, I really think when I when I get my copy, I'm considering just uh, tail, tailoring it to another game system. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Um, the, you know, for the True 20 system, I, I did like it. I did I did see that it would have a lot of modular um, ability. There'd be a lot of ways to just take things and uh, run with them, even in a free form kind of method. But um, yeah, I like that. I'm interested if with the blight elves. Do you have uh, any ideas as to how um, is there a method by which these blight elves would ever come to uh, redemption? About redemption. I guess it. I guess it comes that. down to a, a game master uh, who who starts uh, reading off their own script can do anything, and there's right. certainly nothing stopping them. Uh, one could say that if you were a wicked race, uh, I don't know that you could get much more wicked than these guys. So they're they're pretty branded. But being that some of these, the fact is, they're they're elves. Uh, some of these elves are uh, over a thousand years old. They actually are the original Volsparan elves that have then gone through the transformation to evil. Is it possible that a living elf who went from being a good thing to a corrupt thing could go back to a good thing? I don't see Absolutely. why not. But they would have one heck of a journey to get there because they've walked pretty much down into uh, into the darklands, you know. Mm-hmm. But you know, just like just like with uh, with our own history, as you know, normal everyday human beings, you know that every generation tends to flaunt the the values of their elders. So, um, having a player um, using a hero that is a is a blight elf who was born into this society maybe is uh, one of the the symbiote, or maybe actually. Uh, part of the society itself, um, the core society. I mean, you could play that that shtick out really, really well. And it, and it is um, it's the really society. just comes down. Yeah, it's the society, um, but it really just comes down to what the GM and sorry, in this case, the narrator uh, and the hero or the player want to do. Um, the great thing about role playing games is that you can do anything. Sure. Um, so. I would have to say, though, if you're saying, is there, a, is there anything built into the book that suggests redemption? No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Nothing. Right. 
And, right. and one of the things, I think the, uh, the Blood Elf Society is kind of uniquely upsetting to me. Like I said, they're, they're not drow. They're just, they're just so nasty. And their societal thinking frightens me. It's, it's alien. It's cruel. And I might not be scared of one of them in a stand-up fight, although I probably should be. Um, but I'm more frightened by the intensity of their wicked beliefs. Kind of like Americans in the middle of the last century were so afraid of the possible spread of communism. Um, Ed? Well, yeah. I mean, just the difference here is that while you may have been scared you know, of, I wasn't, of the communist I wasn't. regime during the during the 80s. Um, the the individual I'm in 50s, person, okay. or yeah, sorry. Well, you know, I'm a little bit younger than you, but uh, you know, the the oh, individual oh. person, <laughs> the individual the individual person living Medic. behind the, the the individual person living behind the Iron Curtain was probably a normal, um, you know, person. Pers- norm- yeah, normal, and wanted their kids to grow up to. Uh, to have a better life than them. You're not going to find that with the Blight Elves. Yeah, these guys You're going to go... find a society of people that just just want you to despair of life to the point where you take your own. Right. They, these guys go to evil parties. They have evil fun. They <laughs> exactly. oh, wear you evil have no clothes. Idea. <laughs> they you know, put on evil perfume in the morning when they go to work. They you know, And when they take a break, they want to do something evil. I mean, that's sure. pretty much, pretty yeah, much they, what we're they're... talking about. There's a photo in the book where the entropic channelers, for some reason, are animating uh, a turkey and enjoying it. And, and they're, uh, they, there's a dancing turkey, and they've got, like, the different slices of pork all reanimated as a dancing pig. So it's a bit absurd, but it just shows you that's their idea of fun. Uh, to further the concept of the dark mood, they're in the middle of the Sarangak Forest or thereabouts. There's their capital city, uh, Salgranok. And uh, Salgranok is very labyrinthine. Everything looks the same. All the buildings look the same. And there's no symmetry to the streets, the, cr- the crowded, bustling streets, so much so that navigating by eye is kind of useless here and will likely lead to dizzying panic. In, in Salgranok, one has to train their other senses to pick up the few unique sounds, smells, and tremors emitted by only a, a handful of permanent landmarks. So just to even be in the city, I don't even think a map would do you any good. You actually have to train your senses and develop abilities just to be able to navigate the streets, or it'll wow. be kind of like a horror movie with just you running around endless dead-end alleyways. Wow, that, yeah, like, that sounds so, a yeah. lot of like you know Washington, D.C. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, wow, that sounds amazing. Um, now, are there any mechanics that uh, directly address the... Uh, the narrative um, form of the Blight Elves, are there any mechanics which reward or punish certain behaviors or um, anything that directly affects there, play? There, there is a, there is a, uh, Ed, maybe you could look this up for me. There's a, uh, there's a table of just how bad your taint is based on what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's taint. There, there is definitely taint. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's also villainous paths. Each guild has different villainous paths, which in D&D terms would be like a prestige class. In True 20, it allows you to customize your character with a kit, kind of like mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. second edition D&D. Remember that? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and even within the uh, group, there's these... Uh, the, the Forsaken, if you were to ever actually cut one of those wriggling babies out of a dead dark matron mother... The babies live on, and they take on a template called the Neverborn, and they're these 
what they lack in intelligence, they, they make up in strength. And they're just brute force guards. And they themselves have their own paths that they can follow, their own roles wow. that they can follow within the game. Um, so that's, you don't you know, even have really to... offensive and really awful. I mean that that whole yeah. <laughs> isn't that's it? Just yeah. I mean, it reminds <laughs> me of the time I looked up at my editor and said about the Sabbat books for Vampire. I, I said, you know, we're going to hell. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's <laughs> that's kind of yeah. Sam, yeah. You know, I felt the same way. I knew as soon as Hal had this idea about the Neverborn and the Forsaken, I knew it mm-hmm. was going to push some buttons. It's it's stomach charged, but it's, yeah. com- it's charged, but it's but, compelling. It's, it, it's very it, yes. It's compelling play, and yeah. the point is that these guys are evil. They are not meant at the core to be player character, you know, to be her- heroic races. This is this is a villainous race. So, They're bad people. So they this do is bad where things. We, we want to like pull a meteor out of the uh, orbit and just take out the entire area, pretty much. Well, they, well, yeah. Except for the fact that they really don't want all life to end. They just want you to despair and to know that all life is suffering. In, right. in the blight of in Selena Valanus, the goddess's mind, based on the experience she went through, which is a whole big soap opera. I'm not going to hit you with now. Yeah. She has basically concluded that um, because death is the only truth, you know, the inevitable. Uh, in death lies the only true beauty. So right. they really worship the fact that this is all going to end. She as a goddess even understands that when all creation ends with the end of the universe and all reality ends, so will the gods. So it's all futile. So mm-hmm. she feels the need to pass that message on. So even right. when the she's Blight She's content Elf- with just writing a, a manifesto. She's No. Uh, oh, no. She's uh, for down. instance... Yeah, Sam, for instance, when the Blade Elves fought with the Volsparan right at the beginning, mm-hmm. they whipped their butts. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. Mm-hmm. And right they were, at the they end, were in they were about, they, they had their thumb, I mean, they had their heel right on their neck. They mm-hmm. could have just done away with the Volsparan, and they walked away. And the Volsparan thought, well, the ones that had a brain knew that they got off the hook, but the ones who didn't, you know, said, ah, see, we brought it, we, we beat them back, but what they ended up doing was becoming so... Um, I think Fear. France after World War I when they built the Maginot Line you know, to, mm-hmm. to guard themselves against the advance of the German you know, military. Right. The Volsparen did the same thing and they ended up being fearful and um, not as happy-go-lucky elf yeah, as you expect them to the be. Where's the elf? So this is a dread-filled yeah. race. You know? Yeah, now they're filled with dread. Well, who yeah. won? The the blade elves did. They could have killed them all, but what's the point there? Where's the fun when you can make? We're all going to die anyway. Supple. Why hasten yeah. the journey? Going to you know. Yeah. That's a, hmm. Wow, these guys are just man. They're rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, if they if they can leave you crying, miserable, and suicidal, they're much happier than if they left you dead. Right. Right. Yeah. Which which leads wow. to some much more intriguing role play, doesn't it? Because you really have to work hard to get somebody there. Yeah. Um. And, you know, like I said, I mean, before when I was thinking about the meteor pulled from orbit, I was talking about the good guys going. uh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Let's go ahead and just (laughs) arrange for that to happen. Night of the living, (laughs) dead ending. Here, you want suffering? I'll give you suffering. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, Um, it's interesting interesting you said that because um, when the the Blight Elves were first kicked out of Volspar before they came back in force and powerful, 
um, somebody in the cheering in the in the jeering crowd rather I recall said something to the effect of you know if you're if you're so in love with death why don't you just kill yourself at which point Selena and her lover turned uh, to face him and said in, in unison you first and that very much you know how can you worship suicide and yet not commit suicide they actually do when they get older once they're too old to any longer or infirm to serve the purpose of spreading the desire to do so. But they consider that their mission, to make you want to do it. They'll get to their own in their own time after they've sown enough misery and discord. Okay, go wow. ahead. Sorry. Wow, yeah. Well, um, on, that, uh, on that happy note... You know? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, really, this is uh, definitely representative of the book. Um, so... You know, I really appreciate y'all coming on to the to, to the Bears Grove. And what I was hoping for from y'all, if if you don't have a, if you have a moment, uh, give me one storytelling hook that you could you could talk about that would essentially, well, you know, put me like what? How would I first encounter? I have Lyles? two. Hand, but okay. Ed, if I don't wanna, so you have uh, one for Ed if Ed doesn't have one. All right, cool. Um, well. Hal created these these wonderful artifacts called Agony Altars. And what they are, they're platforms that the Blight Elves take people and strap them down to and do all sorts of bad things to them. And the point of them is that you cannot die. Um, no matter what punishment you take, you will never die. You can feel all the pain, but until they get bored with you, in essence, and, and, and release you from the altar, you won't actually succumb to your, in, in, your injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the hooks we were toying with is um, having somebody say, you know what, I'd really like one of those because I've got a, a disease or something wrong with me and I'm fearing death. So sending the party in to grab one of these agony altars and bring Which it back. Which would mean going into the heart of the capital city. Good luck. But as you can imagine, a very, very <laughs> rich, infirm merchant might just say, hey, I'll give you the key to the kingdom. You just have to get me this thing that if I stay tied to it, I will live forever. Correct. Wow. Okay. Uh, what I would say is the uh, let's see what what would be an interesting, an interesting tie-in. There's a place where the Semyard are trained. They're trained in a place in the forest called the Dead Loop, Fangrip Scene, the Dead Loop, and the dead, it's a it's a ten mile circle of of gray leached soil that if you step on it. The life is suckled from your body. There's these stepping stones that lead in. And if you don't have the right dexterity and the right momentum to your, to your trying to jump from step to step to step, you're going to fall onto the gray soil and you're probably going to join it. <laughs> and uh, wow. in the middle of this circle is an actual community of sleeper cell agents training in the architecture and amongst the cultures of the very societies which they're going to infiltrate. So it's a staging ground where they get used to, to living like dwarves or living like humans from this settlement. You see, so mm. it's a city made up of a bunch of separate cities taught to ingrain the, the, the beliefs and, and, and the, uh, the fashions and the, and the uh, speaking style of, of each and every society. The thing is, it's a very hard place to get into. But before... The, before they arrived at the machination to get Blight Elves in and out of this place unscathed um, and past those defenses, they had something called the Death Ward Cloak, which is now obsolete and merely an antiquity. However, 
if heroes could get their hands on the Death Ward cloak, they could actually walk past a very hard-to-get-past uh, perimeter. They could walk right across it and right into the heart of the Semyard training grounds, Semyard training ground, which would be really fascinating because you don't just have one culture in there. You have a bunch of faux cultures uh, yeah, training like sleeper intelligence. Back lot on a movie studio set. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and uh, and so the thing is, it would be pretty hard for a character to get in there otherwise. But if you got to figure, if these Death Ward cloaks were made even a thousand years ago, and there was a thousand of them made, uh, they're still out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. They're 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 artifacts of a type, and they're out there. And if you can get your hands on a few, it's 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 no different than getting your getting your hands on a ring of underwater breathing and and going after an underwater settlement. I mean, it's almost the only way to get in there really easily. So that's another possible uh, path to adventure. Cool. All right, that's that. That rocks. Well, I really thank you, folks, for coming on to the program today. Uh, the once again, just a brief plug from y'all. Well, I just wanted to uh, thank David from RDP for hiring us on, and for the rest of the Wear Cabbages for um, for participating in these projects because this setting is going to just rock this year. You guys look out; these books are just going to be great, and I highly encourage you to pick up Light Elves. It comes out next week. Um, go to RDP's website at realitydeviants.net to pick up your copy. Okay. Go, go RDP, go wear cabbages, go Sam Chup. Thank you for the interview, sir. You're welcome. So what's next for, uh, for you, Ed, in this product line? Well, the next thing we have coming up uh, next month after the release of Blight Elves is a book called The Blighted Bestiary. It's the first in a series. Um, and these are small size monster manuals that are uh, that dovetail with the different faction books that are coming out. So this one is called the Blighted Beast Theory because it dovetails with the Blight Elves. And these don't are these your... monsters that relate to specifically to the Blight Elves. Right. Um, so in the in the case of the Blighted Beast Theory, these are either monsters that are directly allied with, um, opposed created to, by. or created by um, the Blight Elves. So they're it's it's if you're gonna play the blight elves, you definitely want to pick up the blighted bestiary. Um, so these are like uh, the biologically shaped creatures to a certain extent. Most of them are. Yeah, that would be most entries. Most entries are the biologically. Uh, some of my favorite are the ones built for war. Um, what they've done and the way they've twisted life to form. Uh, perfect living war engines it's it's really fun i i only wish i could have miniatures of some of the things that wow. the uh the two writers of the uh matt kaiser hal mclean they're both doing the writing for this thing and uh some of the monsters are they're actually a little something different they're really pretty amazing stuff especially when you say hey here's a the shapers guild a faction that can of the blight elves that can create anything that's alive and can twist anything to try to find a stable breed. Uh, they came up with some really great and sinister stuff. And the, the some of the, the warfare stuff is definitely my favorite. Cool. Definitely. All right. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. And uh, it's going to be a very good supplement for this particular uh, source book. Mm-hmm. It, it'll Absolutely. bring the whole world that much more alive. If you really want to dig into the Blight Elves, this will just help flesh it out and really put wallpaper on the walls, you know? Excellent. All right. Well, we'll have to have you both back on again, Roan. Uh, you've earned your place in the, uh, the uh, evocative <laughs> Hall of Fame here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for my first podcasting, sir. You were a good teacher. 
Yeah, All and you right. haven't heard him sing yet, so All right. yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> hold, hold, hold that comment. All right. Well, thanks so much. Thank you, Sam. All right. Thanks, Sam. Greetings, my young Game Master Apprentice. Apprentice? Who, me? No, man. I'm just a player. Not even a very good player. Really. I couldn't possibly... Nonsense. I sense the power of the art deep within you. Prepare to receive a psychic download of my gaming wisdom and skills. Art? Power? No, not me, sir. No, sir. That's... that's indigestion. I've never even read the Dungeon Master's Guide, I promise. Master, it may be that he's not quite ready for a psychic download of all your wisdom. What's that, minion? Not ready? Why, when I was an apprentice, nobody cared whether I was ready or not. Confound it? And the books we had to contend with, 600 pages of teeny tiny type, with no indices, and then there was page XX... Still, Master, it may be easier if the apprentice was allowed some alternative method of learning how to be a good Game Master first. Well, Minion, what do you suggest? How about the Game Master Show podcast, Great Overlord of Dungeons? It's chock full of advice and actual play sessions that are sure to teach anyone, even this lowly apprentice, how to best run games. I suppose that sounds okay. It doesn't have an index, does it? Oh, no, sir. You have to listen to the whole thing. It's quite rigorous, I assure you. Excellent. Very well, Apprentice. Go forth and listen to this Game Master Show thingy. And when you're done, return to me, and I will build upon your excellent knowledge. Does that mean I can go now? Not before visiting thegamemastershow.com and subscribing. Don't forget... They're available on iTunes and on the Goblin Broadcast Network at gbncom.com. Gee, thanks, Minion. See ya. Now, where were we? Oh, yes. Roll to hit the vampire gazebo. Well, you've come to the end of another Bears Grow podcast. Thanks so much for stopping by and listening to my little interview. This particular podcast is licensed to you under a Creative Commons license attribution no derivatives, no commercial use, 2.5. Music is provided by the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and until next time, have sweet dreams when you get them. <laughs>